had a friend who was part of a large church on the East Coast. The pastor had had an affair and was being extorted to keep the fact a secret. Not too long before the story broke in a very public way, the church was named one of the 10 healthiest churches in America by a prominent Christian publication. Now, I'm sure there were some wonderfully healthy things about the church despite the scandal. But it's also interesting to me how what is on the outside, the metrics we use to determine success, are often not an indicator of success or health at all. At least not in God's kingdom. Today, we are going to talk about disillusionment and continue our discussion there, but this time as it specifically relates to the church. My desire is to bring a greater understanding and a hopeful way forward. Thank you for listening to episode 26 of Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. My name is Melissa, and today we continue our series on hopeful disillusionment. The age of disillusionment I talked about in our last episode reaches far, and I'd like to take a moment to thank those of you who responded to my questions on disillusionment a few weeks ago. I had a number of responses with people talking about being disillusioned with themselves, which is just so honest and, let's face it, common. Uh, Others mentioned being disillusioned with the government and politics, which is also super relatable. Probably the most common response I had related to disappointment with a church community or a leader. Even the story I just told highlights one of the many difficult realities the big sea church faces. Sadly, there is no shortage of painful stories when it comes to individual experiences with the church or Christian organization. Having grown up in the church and been involved with a number of large and or international organizations, the disheartening stories come regarding everything from a lack of personal integrity sexual misconduct, financial improprieties, and just a general lack of character. And if the stories I'm personally aware of weren't enough, there has been a consistent flow of national news too. And week after week, we are greeted with yet another story that adds to the disenchantment of it all. In our last episode, we looked at the definition for disillusionment as the painful gaining of reality. And this week, I want to list I want us to look at Webster's. It says that disillusioned is having lost faith or trust in something formerly regarded as good or valuable. With the ever-present reasons for disappointment in leaders and in communities, for many, there has been an erosion of trust. It would seem to me that many people sit in the place where they still love and believe in God. They want to follow Jesus, but the church or quote-unquote organized religion sits squarely in the disillusion category. Now, I believe, clearly, I believe in the church or in church. I go to church. This podcast is released by a church and I work for a church. Full disclosure, I love the church. And it is from that place of love that I don't want to live in some sort of denial of the challenges that have actually been, and in many cases, are still very much in play. And when I say the church here, I mean the wider community of 
devoted disciples of Jesus, which spans across cultures and denominations and even time. And I realize that a lot of us listening are part of a church community that we absolutely love and are thriving in. And so I just want to acknowledge that it's a mixed bag for sure. And, you know, a number of us at Emmaus, my church community, have had some sort of pain associated with a previous church or church leadership. Over the years, I have gotten to know many in our community. Often a story from a previous church or ministry experience emerges, and so many times pain and disillusionment accompany the experience. Now, depending upon the circumstances, we may or may not be able to totally make sense of it all. But either way, we can move forward. Could it be that within this painful gaining of reality, there are some beautiful lessons to be learned as we, the church, leaders, and lay alike, walk out bringing about God's kingdom to earth? The work of the kingdom is not easy. And when Christian communities are built on a skewed perspective of success, precious energy is directed toward momentary popularity, quick gains, and external over eternal investments. This is what I believe is at the crux of much of the disillusionment that many have experienced with the church on both a local sort of level and in the much broader sense. I'm going to attempt to unpack this, uh, at least in part here. Henry Nowen wrote a little book called In the Name of Jesus. It's an awesome book. I've read it multiple times. I highly recommend it. In it, he outlines three temptations Christian leaders face. And though the book was written 30 years ago, I find it on point for our time. And because he bases the three temptations on the temptations of Christ faced in the wilderness, there's a timelessness to this message. But to me, today, it feels particularly timely. The three temptations as he defines them or lays them out are number one, to be relevant. Number two, to be spectacular. And number three, to be powerful. Can you see how the church at times and in various places has prioritized these things? Celebrities, catered programs, institutions that serve us, political influence and power. Even at times, our service is designed to make us feel good about ourselves. The cultural tide moves along with its varied and often faulty ideals of success and relevance. What is flashy, cool, or trendy? And then there is, of course, the quest for power. We just live here in this cultural tide. To be swept away in it requires no effort or really even any awareness. Now, I want to say pretty quickly here that depending upon the time and place and particular circumstance, the church is and should be these things, relevant, spectacular, and powerful. Sometimes a cultural moment hits just right and the church is seen to have the answer, even though we always have the answer. (laughs) 
So the issue isn't so much, is there power? Is there relevance? Is there something that is seemingly spectacular? It's the priority of those things. Where it can become problematic is when the aim is to be these things at the expense of what is eternal in ways contrary to the kingdom of God, which is often seemingly upside down. For more details on this, this idea of the kingdom, go and listen to a sermon from October 4th, 2020 on the Emmaus Church Community Community Sermons Podcast. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes. The temptation for outward growth and current cultural success is very real in the broader Christian community. And it's not all bad, and the motive is often good. And yet, some of the greatest and most important work that is to be done in God's kingdom requires slow, patient, and often totally unseen effort. The harvest is ultimately eternal, and oftentimes it's not immediately seen, and sometimes it won't ever be seen in this life. Kingdom work, depending upon the time and place, often will seem to lack relevance, it won't be spectacular in nature, and it won't even appear powerful at all. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, says this in chapter 5, verse verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. This drive for the spectacular was apparently an issue in Paul's time too. After all, it's human nature to want to get ahead and to be on top and to display strength. The invitation for the Christian is to follow in the way of Jesus in ministry. He was the perfect example of humility. He led from a heart of service, spoke truth in love even when it was not popular. This is all part of the way in God's kingdom. This is the part where we need to swim against the cultural tide to be and do the work of God's kingdom. And this isn't accomplished through spectacular strategy, though at times that may help, but only in so much as it is bathed in sincere devotion and a discipled life in Christ where his priorities and heart are pursued and human glory isn't. My encouragement here is that we would become those who are first consumed by the glory of God and that we would wholeheartedly grow in that and be attracted to it in others. Each will stand before God and give an account, as Paul says, a few verses away. And as we embrace truth over relevance, may God's kingdom come. And as we seek sincerity over the spectacular, may God's kingdom come. And as we seek humility over power, 
May God's kingdom come. As we embrace the sincerity over the spectacular, may our age of disillusionment transition to an age of refinement. May all the useful, true, and right criticisms we face as the people of God do its work in us, refining us individually and as the body of Christ to be transformed into his image. May all that is untrue wither. And in the end, the church will stand. My prayer is that all those who wrestle with disillusionment would not be overcome by it, but would again wholeheartedly embrace this unshakable and eternal kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to episode 26. Look for the next episode of Emmaus Footnotes in about two weeks. In the meantime, please subscribe, review, and share. For more information on Emmaus Church Community, visit us at EmmausCommunity.org. For questions or comments, you can email me at Melissa at EmmausCommunity.org. We'll see you next time.